0: You are listening to the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 49. Welcome to the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm bringing you another incredible interview. We are taking a break this week from the COVID-19 related content because this is such a fun, kick in the pants interview that I just can't wait to share with you. With everything happening in the world right now, if you could use a pick-me-up, then this episode will do the trick. My guest today is a life coach, author, and advice columnist for some of the largest outlets in the world. And she's a ray of sunshine who's guaranteed to bring a smile to your face. But first, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, then welcome. I'm Monica Louie. I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven-figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook Ads, my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed $2 million in ad spend and served more than 800 students and clients. So we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And while I teach a lot about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And that's why I love to bring you interviews with experts and successful business owners like my guest today. I am so excited to share with you my interview with Susie Moore. Susie is a former Silicon Valley sales director turned life coach and advice columnist, and you may have seen her on the Today Show, Oprah.com, Business Insider, The Huffington Post, Forbes, Time Inc., or Marie Claire. Susie's work and insights have been shared by celebrities and thought leaders, including Arianna Huffington, Paulo Coelho, Kris Jenner, and Sarah Blakely and I'm so honored to share my interview with Susie with you today. We cover so much in this episode, including how she uses Facebook ads to scale her business, why you should pay attention to who you, quote, lovingly envy, how to stop being shy and grow your confidence, the surprisingly effective way to overcome imposter syndrome, how to fall madly in love with rejection, and why you should the key to winning that Susie wants more people to understand and a whole lot more. And at the end of the interview, Susie shares about her brand new book and how you can grab a special bonus now through the end of this month. Now, before we dive into the interview, I want to make sure you know that if you haven't heard right now, I'm offering my introductory course five days to profitable Facebook ads for free for a limited time. It's a $79 value. And I know that there are a lot of people interested in learning Facebook ads right now. And A lot of us have extra time on our hands. So if you're ready to dive into how to create profitable Facebook ads, consider this a gift from me. Just go to monicalouis.com slash five-day course and enter code BEKIND, all one word. And as always, you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at monicalouie.com slash 49. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 49. All right. Here is my interview with the amazing Susie Moore. Hey, Susie. Thank you so much for joining me on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation. Me too, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. So can you please first start off by telling people who you are and what you do for those who are not yet aware?
1: Yes, I'm an author, life coach, and advice columnist for some of the coolest media outlets in the world. And I live in Miami, Florida, and I just showed you my view quickly, Monica.
0: <laughs> yes, it's gorgeous. It's very different view than the one that I have outside my window. <laughs> Awesome. So Susie, if you don't mind, I would love to go back into how you became an entrepreneur, how you started your business. What did that look like? I mean, did you always know that you were going to be an entrepreneur from childhood?
1: You know, I didn't really understand what that meant. I guess, you know, in childhood, I certainly had no role models in my family, anybody who was, you know, an entrepreneur or running a business successfully. But when I moved to New York, I had a career in ad tech, so advertising technology. I used to sell programmatic video software, very sexy. And I just, I knew, you know, I'm a rebel personality type, if you know Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies. Oh, yeah. And it was just increasingly hard for me to, you know, be within a structure that wasn't mine, to have kind of rules to follow. And I knew too that although my job was good and it certainly paid a lot, and then had a lot of perks, I just knew that it wasn't my life's work. And... You know, as I was, you know, approaching 30, which was, you know, six years ago, I thought to myself, you know, when's it going to be the right time? The conditions are always impossible to create something. And I kind of heard about the life coaching industry through, I guess, some people in New York. I don't remember exactly how I found out about it, but I met a couple of coaches on purpose and I signed up for a course at NYU. And then overnight, I, pretty much declared myself a coach, started side hustling as a coach during the evenings and weekends. And after 18 months of side hustling, I just went all in on it. And yeah, I mean, it certainly felt very risky at the time. Uh, But I think that life is probably far less risky than we think. And if you have the courage to go for it, then a lot of things can work out for you. That's so awesome.
0: And you shared that you used to live in New York and you live in Miami now, but where are you originally from?
1: I'm originally from the UK, uh, but I also lived in Australia for a few years where I met my husband. Um, so I've been around.
0: I've <laughs> <laughs> been all over the world.
1: Yes. Very cool. Okay. So you decided that you were going to
0: basically create life on your own terms, that you didn't mm-hmm. love your corporate career. And so why did you decide to go into entrepreneurship? You just wanted more control over your schedule and you wanted to be the boss, but that you're a rebel personality.
1: Yes, that was a big driver. Plus, I thought, look, the work that I was doing was fun and it was fine. But, you know, working in technology, I mean, if I went to the grave and that was the work that I've done, I would have felt like I'd have completely betrayed myself. So I knew that, you know, what my real strengths were I love people. I love solving problems. I love reframing things. I love making people feel powerful, giving them options, helping them understand that they always have options. And that was kind of what I was always just doing almost referee with people always, just as part of my life, part of my personality. And I just thought that, you know, if I'm succeeding at a career I don't love, if I really bring, you know, what I love to do and make it my work, then I have to succeed, right? That would just be a law of nature. And so I just trusted it. And I thought, I have to do this for myself, you know, for my, uh, you know the reason I believe that I'm here, and yeah, all the things that come with it. There, are, as you know, there are so many perks to working for yourself. A lot of stress too, sometimes. But overall, I mean, I just think it's such a worthwhile thing to do if you feel called cool to it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I've had that same experience, that I absolutely love having control over my schedule and mm-hmm. just being in charge of what my day looks like and everything. Mm-hmm. Really, I get to decide. You know, the direction for my business as well. So.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's extremely important, I think. And one thing I think that makes people feel a bit nervous, of course, is the uncertainty of it. But what I say to that is, you know, life is uncertain no matter what you're doing. And a lot of people I've realized will choose misery over uncertainty, would rather be miserable than almost like face change. And change doesn't have to be so scary. And there are certainly ways that you can learn to embrace it
0: absolutely and i was just actually having a conversation with my team yesterday about how i just really love that i have you know built this team and built this business and these people around me that are helping support the goals and we're all in this together and then i remember back to my corporate days where it just mm-hmm. seemed you know like part of what made me realize that i needed to change was that everybody was just always complaining about mm. the work or the <laughs> the bosses and and but nobody was really doing anything about it and i just realized that i didn't want you know 30 plus more years of that for my career. And Uh that, you know, I wanted more control. And so that's where I was going to look for other options.
1: Yes. And think about it. It's so easy to stay where you are, right? And to be like, ah, it's fine, complain about it, but you're not putting yourself in a powerful position. And if you're a kind of complaining, unhappy employee, like there has to be some accountability there too, because no one's forcing you to stay in a job. No one's forcing your life path. It's already up to us. And I think once we take full responsibility for that and for our decisions, we've realized that there really is a whole lot else out there for us, especially if we just have the courage, give ourselves the courage to make some bold moves.
0: That is so true. And so I want to hear a little bit more about your pathway in the last, you said, six years about mm-hmm. kind of venturing out on your own and building your business first on the side. So did mm-hmm. you start off with private coaching, like one-on-one coaching? Is that what yes. it looks like?
1: Yes, because that was the easiest to do, right? Without a website, without really any kind of business set up in a formal way, I think that's always the easiest place to get started. Plus I think some people try and skip that step, right? They try and get straight into like selling a course or straight into, you know, something that's maybe group or bigger. And I think just doing the work like one-on-one, like depending on what your field is, if that's possible, that's where you get kind of all the best insights that lay the foundation for your business.
0: Absolutely I definitely agree with that. With my, um, so I'm a Facebook ad strategist and mm-hmm. I have a team, an agency now where we run ads for people. but I started mm-hmm. off with one-on-one coaching, teaching people Facebook ads. and that's where I learned a lot of you know the stumbling blocks and how you know I taught myself how to better explain things before mm-hmm. I went into the world of building my own course and then growing an agency around that.
1: Yes. And I think Amy, I mean, sometimes I think we're afraid to almost like to start coaching, start charging, to start, you know, kind of putting ourselves out there. But you start small, right? It's like one person at a time. That's how you build your business. And then once you have some real learning, you can absolutely scale. Yeah, but I feel as if, you know, starting out as a one-on-one coach for me was not only a lot of fun, but I kind of really got to understand What was always coming up for people, right? Like what the fears were, what the challenges were, like what was keeping people, you know, stuck where they were. And so that really informed a lot of my, you know, now products, but also a lot of the content I put out there for media coverage because using the media is probably the largest method that I've used to grow my business, grow my email list, et cetera. And my clients were always like the best source of information for me.
0: So let's talk about that. I mean, so how did your business grow over time? You said media mm-hmm. and then did you start incorporating products? I know you have products and books mm-hmm. and, and lots of things now, but um, yes. can you kind of share what that looked like, that evolution?
1: Yes. So when I was actually still in my cubicle as a side hustler, I, you know, I was so bored in the afternoons. Like, aren't we all? <laughs> like, what do you do after lunch? Once your to-do list is done. I used to read websites like MindBodyGreen. Love that site. It's a very nice, big, juicy site. And Content on there. I thought to myself, you know, I could write stuff like this. It was stuff, you know, around confidence, around spirituality, around productivity. And I just one day, without overthinking it, I was reading Mind Body Green, went to meet a friend at a bar for a drink. She was late, so I just wrote a piece. And it was my very first piece of Mind Body Green. It was called, you know, why No is the new Yes: How to Scale Back Your Busy Life, something like that. And uh, it was published within two weeks, and it was shared nearly four thousand times. Wow. And I took that as a sign that this was going to be how I was going to grow my business. Because at that point, I had clients, I was getting referrals, I was using largely LinkedIn as my source for finding people. But you know, you, you tap out at a certain point, and I wanted to go big, right? You want to take it all the way to the top, especially when you're really early and ambitious. And I thought this is how I'm going to grow my business for free, especially in the beginning. I didn't even have a website yet, Monica. It was wow. so early, but I just kept doing it, kept creating content, started writing for Marie Claire, for Business Insider. It just kept growing, and then of course got my back end set up, you know, over time. And it's still the, the method that I rely on for getting leads, getting people, and you know, showing my work.
0: That's wonderful. So, I mean, you started growing your audience, and then d- did you transition eventually from one-on-one to products? And do you still do one-on-one?
1: Yeah. uh, So I started creating products, yes, because I started learning about this industry, right? I mean, this is the thing. I think that if I went back in time, the one thing that I'd probably do differently is I'd invest in my business earlier. So instead of thinking, oh my gosh, this has to make money, I probably would have gone to more conferences, maybe joined a mastermind sooner because I've really learned how this whole, you know, industry works by observing others and seeing what works and seeing what would work for me based on the kind of lifestyle that I want, how I want to set my business up. But yeah, I started creating products, which of course became really fun, you know, marketing to the list that I've been building over time. The closest thing I do to -to one-to-one now is I have a, a live event that I do in New York three times a year. And then we offer like a high, and this is around publicity. It's called Pitch Please. And then we have a small group coaching program called The In Crowd, which is only eight people. So it's, pretty high touch. But yeah, I think that where I can add the value most is the information life package. Because I've learned, especially over time, that people don't need your time. They just want your knowledge and they want to know how you can help them. And so scaling it feels like I'm being of the most service. And uh, it feels, I think, the most exciting for me.
0: Awesome. So as you started to create those products, then how have you scaled your business? Because now you're helping millions of people.
1: Yes, well, of course, good old Facebook ads. You're the pro there. I love Facebook ads. They actually work really well in tandem with media features too. So I send a lot of ads to my guest posts. To any, I was just on the today show, and I was I have ads running to that segment. So again, to like to warm audiences up, and then to you know, get them at the top of the funnel, and then you know retarget. So I love media. I love guest posts. I do some affiliate work. I have a YouTube channel that I'm investing in now. So I like to have different lead sources from everywhere. And I think a perfect you know mix is paid and organic together.
0: Absolutely. I love that. So, I mean, my most successful clients are the ones that have a really strong organic strategy and mm-hmm. also really strong Facebook ad strategy or other paid yes. strategy as well. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like both of those together work really well because it can be I think risky mm-hmm. to have all your eggs in one basket, you know, if you're getting all your traffic from Google, Google mm-hmm. did a major update a few months ago and I mean a lot of people lost traffic to a lot of their posts mm-hmm. that were ranking well, but then also same thing with, you know, Facebook ads or you know, any other paid platform, if something goes wrong with your ad account, you know, then that channel can be cut off or at least temporarily.
1: Absolutely. I think this is really true for any business, right? It's so important to have lots of ways that people can discover you. And that way you kind of also just feel quite relaxed because you're not so dependent on any one person or any one thing. And yeah, I think also just really opens up different channels and you find way more people than if you're just using one method.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, it's been very clear in our, you know, discussions thus far that mm-hmm. you are just a go-getter. You're just going to go yes. for it. You just reached yes. out to <laughs> let's see, to oh to Mind Body Green. You just reached mm-hmm. out and said, "Hey, I want to write this article for you." And so, I mean, you said your rebellious nature, but mm-hmm. for those of us who are not as rebellious or is not so yeah. forth going. (laughs) I know your, your upcoming book is kind of talking about this. So your upcoming book, can you please share what it is and then when it's coming out? I know it's coming out soon. Yes.
1: It's called Stop Checking Your Likes haha, those social media likes, stop checking your (laughs) likes, shake off the need for approval and live an incredible life. (laughs) And it's out on April 7th. And the reason I wanted to write this book was kind of like what you said, Monica. I mean, there are no rules in this world, right? We just believe them because we think that people in authority know the right thing and you know, kind of like want to stay in line sometimes, not ruffle feathers, not do the wrong thing. And what I've learned over the course of my life, especially coming from a family on welfare, with addiction, with mental illness—I mean, all sorts of you know dysfunction in my past—that what is available to me as an adult is going to be my responsibility, and I have to be self-approved as I move forward. I can't wait for the approval of others. I can't be dependent on it. You never get it from everybody anyway. And a lot of the things that I've done, all the things that I'm you know that I now help teach people do because they want to know, especially around confidence, around even just you know, getting out there and being more visible. I've done without even a college degree. I have a high school education, and I never even finished my life coaching certification. So I talk about this very openly as much as I can because I think that so many of us have the excuse of, oh, you know, what I'm not educated enough, or I'm not ready. I need to get this or that first. Well, there's, you know, there's something wrong with me because of, you know, how my family were, and I just don't believe in any of those things. I just think that, you know, the future belongs to whoever's just going to seize it. And you don't need anything that they tell you. We know who they are, anybody really out there with an opinion. We don't need to believe what they tell you. If we can just trust ourselves, know that we're worthy of the things we want, that's why we want them, then you can become quite unstoppable in this world if you're willing to like to practice some courage and and frankly, not be put off by some negative emotion. I love it. Okay. So how
0: do we do that? How would we Mm -hmm. stop playing small? And I mean, how do we know, first of all, if we are playing small, maybe we think we're going out there, but we have a sneaking suspicion that maybe we could,
1: you know, go a little bigger. What would you? Yes. I would say pay attention to who you lovingly envy. So if you see somebody out there who's like, you know, maybe they're speaking, maybe they're writing books, maybe they have a cool, like nice big team and a cool office. If you have like a little pang when you hear or see what they're doing, it's probably where you could be heading or probably the direction you ought to be heading. So it's always good to... I mean, this is why we need real-life role models. And we also want to be that role model who creates the pang in others, right? And this is why we say success is generous because we need real-life role models in this world. So I always like to think that the people who kind of give us that feeling of, oh my gosh, you know, I wish I was doing that, or even a feeling of... Damn, she's always just getting it, isn't she? That girl or guy. That's a really good place to start by kind of paying attention to who you notice and to who stands out to you, because it's just reflecting back to you who you are and who you could be. And when it comes to like going for it, frankly, I mean, we could. This is a big question. There are kind of many approaches you can take. It really just does come down to self-esteem, you know, accepting your worthiness, which is again a very kind of big topic, but. The way that I can simplify it the most is making clear that it's a decision. Like nobody can give it to you. No one can say, you know what, today, okay, congratulations, it's your day. You're allowed to be confident from now on. You're allowed to go for it. You know what? Yes, you're worthy. You know, good luck now. You know, go forth and conquer. Like it has to be you. You are the person, that you're waiting for to do this. And truly, like that's really the difference. Because when you see the people who are succeeding, winning, kind of, Getting what you want, there's no common thread among them. It's not education, family connections, good looks, whatever we think it is. It is simply that permission that they've given themselves that they are worthy enough to go for it. Acknowledging yeah, that.
0: Yeah, no, I remember that very clearly. It was six years ago when I was learning all about online business and I was mm-hmm. getting ready to start my first blog that I kind of had this realization that. I didn't need permission to, Mm -hmm. you know, step into the expert role or, you know, that I just needed to acknowledge that I could help people and then allow myself to be able to do that. And that really was a turning point for me.
1: You know, it is. I mean, I'd love to hear about that because I love hearing these stories. Can I hear about that turning point for you that when you were like, oh my gosh, I could just do this without anybody saying it's okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually.
0: So I felt like I was always very shy and very just lack of confidence. Like I just wanted to do things the right way. I was, you know, very much a people pleaser, a very mm-hmm. like goody goody, follow the rules type person. And then when I decided i had left my corporate job and I was home with my little babies and wanted to, build a business from home. I just remember thinking about that I had this blog idea to help people. My first blog was about getting out of debt. So my -hmm. husband and I paid off $120,000 of debt in two years, all on a single middle class income. And Mm -hmm. people started asking us how we were doing that. You know, People in our real life were like, what is going on? We know that Monica just left her job. And my husband's in law enforcement. So it's not like he's a doctor or a lawyer. And so how is this happening? And So that's when I had this aha moment. That's how I could help people. But I also was very nervous about Mm -hmm. doing that and putting myself out online. And it was when I joined B-School or maybe started following Marie Forleo before I joined Mm -hmm. B-School. It was something that she said about like, you don't need permission. You know, here, I am granting you permission. And it was just (laughs) the video that she made for the world to see. And I was like, you know, like whose permission am I waiting for? I felt like I needed somebody to give me that permission. But really, I realized... I just need to give it to myself. If I truly know I can help people and make a difference in the world, then I am doing other people a disservice if I don't put myself out there and try to help people.
1: Yes. Oh, I love that story, Monica. And you know, it's interesting because you also mentioned in the beginning, like pleasing. I'm absolutely right there with you. I know all about that. And also like this feeling of shyness. Um, one thing that people often say that they're shy. And I mean, I, I coach with people on this, especially if they want to In the media, you know, kind of get on television, be you know, whatever it may be, increase it, you know, their their message, their voice, their brand. I always speak about shyness in a bit of a different way because shyness can be a really good excuse, right? Because shyness actually doesn't feel like a really negative thing. It can be like, I'm shy, it's almost like it sounds kind of cute, you know, but shyness is ego, right? We don't think about it that way, but shyness is ego, meaning if we're shy, right? It's often situational shyness, meaning we're only we're not shy with our parents, right? Or shy with our partner or shy with people that we know really well. But we can feel shy when it comes to doing something new or speaking to new people or taking, you know, a big step forward. And when I think we realize too that this shyness or whatever other word we use, sometimes we misuse the word introvert too a lot. I see that all the time. What we're really doing is just protecting ourselves from any criticism, right? From putting ourselves out there. We're protecting ourselves from any form of rejection. So, whenever I'm working with anybody, and look, I get it. I understand what it means to be an introvert, and shyness pretty you know, much exists largely in children or for people with social anxiety, which is a bit different. But, you know, I kind of, I like to lose these words when it comes to kind of like taking the next step because shyness, being an introvert, I think these things are also just kind of used in a way to kind of Give ourselves a get out of jail free card, you know, to give ourselves a bit of a pass when it comes to doing the things that we want to do, and just recognizing, look, I'm scared, right? This is scary. I don't want to like do this and have someone say no, or think I'm, you know, or laugh at me, or you know, I'll just look silly. That's really what the risk is, and I think that when we when we can understand that risk, understand what it really means, knowing it won't kill us, it just means it will feel uncomfortable for a while, we will have some negative emotion in our body for a while. Then that means, like, if you can tolerate that, it will make you unstoppable.
0: Absolutely. Oh, and I've seen that. I mean, looking back, okay. I completely relate. I've been nodding my head this entire time because I completely relate to what you said. Because mm-hmm. you know, I used to consider myself very shy, and I still mm-hmm. can be in certain situations where I just don't mm-hmm. feel like I fit in as well or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've like gone out and met people at conferences, business conferences, people are often surprised. That I call myself an introvert because Mm -hmm. they think I'm more extroverted. And I think that that has correlated to my confidence growing over -hmm. these past six years and me growing my business. And I'm much more confident in my role and what I do. And, you know, as a business owner and just everything, the way, the direction that my business is going Mm -hmm. now than I used to be. And I think that that is definitely related to people perceiving me as being more extroverted.
1: Yes, and the, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like, what it even means to be an introvert, extrovert. So many, I see it all the time, like, like, these different expressions being thrown around a lot. It's okay. It doesn't matter, like, what the expression is. The most important thing to know is are you being honest with yourself? Right? Are you being honest with yourself? And are you making an excuse for something that feels scary and just putting a nice label on it? Because When you realize that your goals are more important than your sensitivity, like the desires you have are more important than the fears you're experiencing in this moment, and you decide to just take this bias towards action, it is remarkable what will unfold for you. And I don't mean crazy action every day out there screaming, I mean a little bit of action, a little bit of action most days that adds up <laughs> like it totally adds up and you notice the fear the fear never goes away your tasks and your goals just get a lot bigger and this is also how you learn to trust yourself over time by following through and just doing the things doing the things that most people are just you know too frightened to do
0: absolutely so If somebody's feeling like they wanna, maybe they're, you know, they've been growing their business, but they wanna do something like that feels scary, like more speaking. So I've been doing more speaking over these past couple of years, but Mm -hmm. I definitely wanna do more speaking and get on bigger stages. Mm -hmm. But there's, you know, this a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? So how do we Mm -hmm. overcome imposter syndrome, whether we're just starting out and just getting ready to start a YouTube channel or a podcast or something along those lines, or wanna get out and do more public speaking?
1: Mmm. good question. Well, imposter syndrome is universal. So if you're feeling it, you're just like the rest of us, right? I think it's really important to highlight there is nothing unique about it. There's nothing unusual or rare about it. It's extremely common, especially in high achieving women. So you're probably a high achieving woman, especially if your imposter syndrome is significant. So the one thing that I will say is there's only really one way that it can be soothed and that's through doing the thing that makes you feel like an imposter until you become the thing. So, you know, essentially doing the verb until you become the noun. So for example, if you say, you know, I'm scared to speak, not you specifically, but anybody who's like, you know, I'm scared to speak, I'm scared to speak, or, you know, I could never run a marathon, but I'd love to run a marathon. If you speak a few times and you run a marathon or two, you are a marathon runner and you are a speaker. (laughs) It's like, it's not faking anything until you make it. It's doing it until you become it. And there really is no getting around it. The way that I think about it is if I've imposter syndrome, it probably means I'm, I'm doing something big. I'm doing something good. It's great. I'm pushing myself. And you know what? Like let's go into it. Let's enjoy it. Let's, you know, expect this emotion of fear and do it and notice how it feels as we get there, as we do it, as we keep growing. I think it's going to be a constant companion in your life especially, I sometimes say to people, look, if you don't have any fear or you know, any feeling of being a fraud or any you know, heart-sinking feelings that just you know, pop out of nowhere, you probably aren't pushing yourself enough. You're probably more capable and you're allowing the world to see. So I expect it always like, as this constant thing in my life, um, not expecting it to disappear, but knowing that the only way to quell it or to make it less noisy is to just to keep doing the things until the things just become real.
0: That's great. And I was thinking, as you said that, that, you know, going back to my earlier question about, you know, how do we know if we're playing small? I think if you're feeling too comfortable,
1: yes, yes, then you know
0: that there's some potential that, you know, pushing that you could be working on that could be pushing yourself out of your comfort zone that can help you grow either, you know, as a person or in your business or both.
1: Yes. And don't let that sneaky little, you know, part of you convince yourself that you're doing enough either. <laughs> like, oh, I'm doing well enough. Why push myself? Push yourself. This is your life. Right? This is your contribution. I mean, Thomas and Edison said like, you know, a long time ago that if we even did like 10% of the things that we were capable of, we would like astound ourselves. Right. You're like human right. beings, we're so powerful. Like, we are, like, there is so much that we can do. And look, you have to do what's right for you based on your level of, you know, desire and what makes you content. But I'd say in most cases, we really don't go for it. Even the people who are going for it, like, there's always going to be more there for you. And especially once you keep going, you'll realize there's very little competition. Can you
0: expand on that? I mean, so once yes. you keep going, there's less competition because not as many people are going for it. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, I think like even if you just look at a company structure, for example, the real, like the people at the top, top, right? If you, I, my first job was as a recruiter and I remember that there were always a lot of applicants for the entry level positions, mid level positions, the senior positions always had very few applicants. I mean, they certainly, you know, paid more, there was more prestige, a lot more came with it. But it's almost like there are only a few people in this world who give themselves that permission slip, as you mentioned, to kind of go that next level. And just because my book's coming out soon, I'm doing a lot of promotion for myself for my book. And it's amazing how many yeses I'm getting because I go to editor in chief, I go to a producer who you know, makes decisions. And I'm not like kind of pitching myself in a small way or going with a junior editor or just, you know, pitching something maybe as part of a group. I'm just like going for it, sending the book, saying these are my ideas, this is what I'd to contribute. And I think that most authors don't do that. And then they're like, well, why is this girl in the press with her book? Like, How does she get that? And it's like, you know what? Because I'm just pitching myself. That's the only difference. My book isn't better than yours. My message isn't better. I'm just willing to be rejected. And I'm willing to do that work.
0: And you're putting yourself out there rather than... Waiting, maybe people think that they're, you know, they're waiting for the offers to come to them.
1: But yeah, you'll be waiting forever. You'll be waiting all the way to the grave. Honey. Like, it's a, if that's not how it works, you know, right? With anything good in this world, so much of it is just so dependent on us taking action. Right. When it comes to waiting, don't wait. What are you waiting for? Time is already very precious and limited. And I always say, look, the future belongs to no one, right? It really is up to us, like in this present moment, to decide. So, Yeah. Waiting is not acceptable. (laughs) I love that.
0: That's so true because, you know, I mean, tomorrow isn't promised, right? I mean, anything Mm -hmm. could happen. So why don't you just go for it? Because we don't want to look back, you know, years from now and have this sense of regret of like, oh, I should have put myself out there more. I should have tried harder. I should have submitted for that speaking gig. I should have pitched myself for that interview. You know, Mm -hmm. why not go for it now?
1: Mm-hmm. And they are the regrets that you have later. They are like ask anybody over a certain age what they might do differently, and it is I wish I didn't like hold back, right? I didn't like I wish I didn't, you know, whatever the version was back then of checking your likes, right? Like Absolutely. I wish I wasn't, you know, waiting for my parents to approve me or the you know the ladies at the church, like whatever it was to approve me. I wish I just like went for it. This is a very very common regret, and like, I'm hell bent on not having it.
0: So. You say that we should fall madly in love with rejection. Not just accept mm-hmm. rejection,
1: not just expect it, <laughs>
0: but fall madly in love with it. So can you talk about that? Why should we actually have such strong feelings?
1: <laughs> love yes! <or> rejection. <laughs> I always say when someone's rejected, congratulations! It means you're doing something. It means you're a confident person because... You did something that, you know, had the, where there was an option for your rejection and it happened. It doesn't matter about the rejection. The most important thing is doing the thing. The outcome, which is out of your control, isn't the thing. You taking the action is the thing. That's what confidence is and that's where your power is always because there's always going to be a yes, right? There's always going to be an outcome that you want. But most people just give up way too soon. Like Monica, I always say that success and failure are the same road. Success is just further down that road. But most people just get way too comfy in the little, you know, parking spots along the way. And they're like, you know, well, I tried. And it's like, you know what? Rejection is simply in a lot of cases, not the right timing, right? Or maybe just it would be a yes if there were like a bit of flexibility or a bit more creativity added to whatever it is you're putting out there. So I feel like rejection is not only a marker that you're doing something. It means it's a complete marker of your confidence. And the more rejections you have... So I'm, Monica, I'm in the media a lot, right? But I'm rejected more than anybody I've ever met. And that's why I'm in the media the most. That makes sense, right? Yes, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. But most people, like, you know, I tried a few times and I had one or two wins. I'm like, I've had like five, six, seven hundred. I don't even know how many wins. But that's because I've had a couple thousand rejections, like over the years, So it's like rejection, yes, bring it. It's bringing me closer to my yes. It's good information. And like I know that I'm doing what I can, right? It puts me in this space of I'm seizing it. I'm owning my life. I'm owning my contribution. And what the outcome is, which isn't up to me, can't really bother me because all that matters is my own control and my own willing to make my contribution bigger. That's all I can care about. And so rejection is always just evidence that you're doing something. And also I think, so
0: along the same lines of rejection is failure, you know, quote unquote Mm -hmm. failure, which I always try and reframe as a learning experience. You know, there's something Mm -hmm. to be learned there if it didn't go as I expected, which life, you know, business, it's not always going to go the way that you plan. So what is your take on dealing with failure, handling failure, you know, having Mm -hmm. a fresh perspective on it?
1: Well, failure is disappointing, right? So it's it's natural to feel it and we don't want to just skip over the emotions. So when failure happens, you could admit you're disappointed or you're surprised or like whatever it may be. It's good to identify the emotion, name it, claim it, right? Allow yourself to sit with it for a while, knowing that it's temporary, just like everything else. And then the way that you say you frame it as a learning experience, I frame failure as like a result that I didn't want, right? So it's still a result. It's just not a result that I necessarily wanted. And instead of saying what's wrong, which most people do, they go to what's wrong or why I'm wrong. The question that I love to introduce is what's missing? First of all, it's far more creative. It opens up a different part of your brain, this question. But instead of saying, "Ah, oh, this is a mess up. I'm wrong. You know, This whole thing was a bad idea. You know, often perceived failure with a couple of tweaks could be a success. But I think we don't give ourselves that chance a lot of the time because we're too busy being a little bit like in the self-pity place or, you know, just attaching ourselves too much to like, to the perceived failure. So what I've noticed too, and like in many successful people, and look, in my book, I mentioned that like I'm a self-help junkie. I've read, you know, I think 600 self-help books now, and I've distilled the best nuggets in this book that I've learned. But what I've learned through all of this kind of research and so forth is that the people who kind of, again, success, however you define it, their bounce back rate is just faster. Right? Like bounce back right from, from a failure or something not going their way. It's like same day, next action. Essentially using a question, maybe not in the exact form what's missing, but thinking about like what the gap is or what the next step is then. It's not staying in that place. So acknowledge it. You can you know, acknowledge those feelings that you have. We're all human, but know that it's temporary. And what you do next is the most important thing.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for that. Because I see that a lot of times, you know, where people will be skeptical of Facebook ads or they'll say, oh, I tried it, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I want to empower people to acknowledge that, you know, if they decided to switch their focus to something else, some other, you know, marketing strategy, that that Mm -hmm. was their decision, but always be open to the fact that there was something else that they could have tried, whether, you know, in the ad itself or their funnel or something that could have produced a different outcome.
1: Yes. And Monica, I'll say too, like when it comes to Facebook ads, I think sometimes we have to take real accountability for our funnels because we're like, it was a Facebook ads manager or it was Facebook ads. A lot of it is us, right? It's like once someone comes into your world, what you know, what experience are they having? And I feel like people want to pass the buck a lot, right? They're like, ah, you know, it didn't work for me or they have a million ad managers that they, they kind of go through. It's more than that, right? It has to be a real collaboration and we have to be accountable too. So. I think when it comes to, you know, Facebook ads, there is so much potential. I love them. I love, love, love them. But I'm always thinking, you know, if my ROAS is dipping or my cost per lead is really high, I'm always thinking, okay, what's missing here? What can I add? And thinking about it from like, uh, this is in my power perspective. Like this is, let's make this great. Like let's do something, Like let's take something from this and make it even better. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't write off ads, heck no. (laughs) I love that. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's helpful coming from somebody else who's had success with Facebook ads. And it's because you didn't you know, stop at the first ad that you tried or first funnel that you tried. You you kept iterating and asking yourself these questions.
1: Yeah. It takes some time, like anything. And so why would this be any different, right? If you're learning anything in this world, any skill, right? Or if you're trying something new, like why would it be easy the first time or the second time, the third time? You got to stay in the game right? Just got to stay in the game and just remain creative and just keep thinking, what's missing? What can I be adding? Because I really do think it's really possible to win. Again, most people just give up too soon.
0: Okay. So coming back to your book, please Mm -hmm. tell us more about what's in the book. What we'll find Mm -hmm. once we read it. I'm excited about this because I feel like this is so important. So talk Mm -hmm. to us about why we should stop checking our likes.
1: Yes, so the book is not a social media book, but social media has become the modern measurement of how well we're doing, right? It's like, do people like how, you know, what we're eating, where we're vacationing, like what we're saying, you know? So essentially, it's giving yourself that like, right? Trusting your inner like button and living a life that's really based on your terms. I mean, look, we come into this world alone, right? We leave this world alone. Yes, we have family, children, spouses, friends, but nobody knows what's inside of us, right? Nobody really knows what we're capable of, what it is that we want and what it is that we want to contribute in our life. And people you know, are certainly on our path with us, but no one can walk it for us. So this book will help you tune in with the real you, give you a massive lasting confidence boost with like some really proven, awesome NLP techniques. And I mean, it's really fun. I mean, I've saved you reading 600 self-help books because I've got all the nuggets and the best lessons and stories in this one.
0: I love it. I'm so excited for this because I definitely feel like this is something that could have helped me years ago. I definitely, I mean, definitely get so much out of now too, as I continue to push myself to the next level. So I think this is so important. Thank you so much. So where can people find the book?
1: The book is available everywhere books are sold. But if you also purchase by the end of April, you can head to stopcheckingyourlikes.com, give me your receipt number and you have a really good uh, juicy bonus from me too.
0: Awesome. I love bonuses.
1: Yes. Um, So
0: Susie, is there anything else that we should touch on that we just haven't touched on yet?
1: I would just say that if you're listening to this, right, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already in a, a great position of privilege, right? You have access to the internet. You, If you found something like Monica, it's because you're a business owner and you, you want to keep learning. And so like, this is your time, right? This is your time. There is nothing to wait for. There is nothing to wait for, like we said. And yeah, I mean... The most important thing that you can manage, like there are you know, skills, techniques, tools, they're all out there. The information is all available. The most important thing that you can work on is your mind, right? Your confidence, having a well-directed mind. And that's why my book is really there to help you do.
0: Yes. And as you said many times throughout this interview, I mean, that's your responsibility. That's your area that you can control. No matter what else is going on out there, that's the area that you can control. That's right. Love it. Thank you so much, Susie. Where else can people find you?
1: Um, my website is susie, S U S I E, dash more, M O O R E dot com.
0: Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. This is a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Monica. This was so much fun. Mwah. Did you love that interview with Susie as much as I did? I don't know about you, but I am fired up to take action. And I want to give a huge thank you once again to Susie for coming on the podcast and sharing all of her insights with us. I would absolutely love to hear your biggest takeaways from this episode. So share those with us in the comments at monicalouiecom slash 49 or tag Susie and me on Instagram. I am at with Monica, and she's at susie.more. And be sure to grab her book. Stop checking your likes. Shake off the need for approval and live an incredible life. And grab your free bonus before the end of April at stopcheckingyourlikes.com. And you can find all the links and resources that we mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com forty nine. Thank you so much for joining Susie and me today. If you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through the 6 simple steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus, there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you appreciate a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com/wwm. We have information there about our services. And if you'd love one-on-one help with your Facebook ad strategy, but you're not quite ready for ongoing ads management, my team and I are working on a special brand new program that I cannot wait to share with you. Stay tuned next week because I'll be sharing all the details with you in the next episode of the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast. And just a reminder, I'll have all the links and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouis.com slash 49. And if you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast. And subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another special guest interview heading your way. So subscribe so you don't miss it. My guest is an expert on how small business owners like you and me can benefit from the CARES Act that was recently passed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. CARES stands for Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. And this is something that all business owners, freelancers, and solopreneurs should be educating themselves on. So join us next week on the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast. That's all for today. Take care and stay healthy. See you next week.